Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Interesting week, exciting week. Uh, poor Joe Biden. His plate is getting uh, more full. Uh, he has a lot to deal with. Uh, he's had a rough time this month so far. Uh, I, I don't worry about him. I, I feel for him because he's a seriously intended man. He's not like his predecessor, Donald Trump. He wants to straighten this country out. He wants to do good. And my God, every place he turns, the Republicans are against him. The the anti the anti vaccine people are against him. I, I, it's a horrible situation. I wish him well. I believe he's going to do major things that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but, boy, what a job. Who would want to be president of the United States? Now, tonight, uh, I have a lot I want to talk about. I'm going to start off with some varied topics, I mean there no consistency. Each one is different. And then I'm going to jump into some coronavirus, and there will be seven of them in a row, because right now, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, I think, is the most important issue we have to deal with. It is life and death. It is comparable to World War II. It is life and death. Now, tonight, we're going to we're not going to go outside the United States but once. We're going to be in California, West Virginia, Washington, D.C., Florida, Afghanistan, the one time we'll be leaving the United States tonight, Idaho, Massachusetts, Indiana, and New York City. Going to start with Disneyland in California. What I'm going to share with you is shocking. It shocked me. Maybe it won't shock you. Maybe you knew. Anyhow, they got a problem out there in Disneyland. Uh, they ain't paying good wages. 25,000 employees, it is said, they say the 25,000 employees, they're homeless and they're hungry. So hard to believe. We have to go back to 2018 and 2019. Uh, the employees were complaining then that they were homeless and hungry. They weren't getting paid enough. Some adjustments apparently were made at the time. But now things have gotten worse. We're, into the pa- we're going through the pandemic, people out of work, rents going through the, the, the roof. Uh, and these people are hurting very badly. Uh, it's, it's gotten worse. Uh, and this is homelessness I'm talking about, and food insecurity. Would you believe, would you believe, and let me say this first of all, you know what they pay most of their 25,000 employees in Disneyland? Minimum wage. People have been there 15 years, minimum wage. And you know what they tell the people when these people uh, complain we need more money? And I quote what management tells them. There's always somebody who will fill your spot. There is always somebody who will fill your spot. How nice to have an employer that is looking out for the best interests of the employee also. So, people are sleeping in their cars. Yeah. Families sleeping in their cars. Dad works at Disneyland. I would assume they make billions of dollars at Disneyland. I have never been. I've been to Disney World many times. We never went west with the children to go to Disney 
one of the Disney parks. Uh, these people, some of them have relatives, but they're two two hour drives away. But they drive every morning. The, the employee drives two mi- two hours to work and then two hours home. That adds four hours onto an eight hour day. How horrible can it be? Okay, again. They can't, and there's no, there's insufficient affordable housing in the area in California where Disneyland is located. So what have the employees done? They've gathered together, and 25,000 strong, they sued Disneyland for better pay in a class action. They just brought a class action, 25,000 strong, they want better pay. Their argument is, and I don't know the strength of their argument, I'm going to be frank, listen to what it is. The company is legally obligated to pay a living wage. I I, I don't think that's going to fly in a courtroom, with all due respect. Uh, I've never heard the argument, the precise argument, the primary argument, uh, you got to pay. The employer pays a living, must pay a living wage. That's something that's part of backing up your position. They need a raise, uh, but I don't know if that's a legal ground. I don't think so. I could be wrong. I'm hope I'm wrong. But that's what's going on at Disney World. Now I want to talk about Joe Manchin a bit. Uh, Joe Manchin. I, I, I'm going to shock you with something. Just like I shocked you, I'm sure some of you, with Disneyland uh, being such a lousy employer, I'm going to surprise you with some, some things about Joe Manchin tonight. Uh, he's at the apex of his power. He's been a senator for 11 years. I ask you, who ever heard of Joe Manchin before this year? You know, all of a sudden he has acquired a penchant for playing, placing himself in the center of virtually any hot negotiation. His vote, his sword. If he causes the Democrats to lose control of the Senate, his voice will be lost. We will rarely hear from or of him again. There are two reasons, I think, for his entrance into the fray. You know, right now he sits majestically on his big white horse, and my vote is important, you know. I believe in bipartisanship. He believes in bipartisanship, excuse me, my friends, bullshit, as you will understand as I go through on my talk tonight. First, one of the two reasons, this is his moment of glory. I will be generous. Not his moment, his 15 minutes. Everyone, his friend at the moment, Democrats and Republicans alike, once no longer of value to either, he will be an unhappy camper might even opt for the highway and not run again. Second, his personal wealth. This is what I'm going to dwell on tonight, his personal wealth. Do you know what his personal wealth is dependent on? Yes, coal. Coal. He's personally invested. All right? That dirty stuff which pollutes, sickens, and kills many is the source of his becoming a millionaire. Manchin is from West Virginia, a small state with a bastion of coal mines. It's West West Virginia's uh, key industry. Manchin is part of what some view as the, and I quote, dirty empire, coal. His defense of the coal industry to this point has been relatively silent. Even now, for some reason I cannot fathom, 
the media seems to have given him a pass on the issue. Uh, you know, he didn't talk about coal that much. Now he talks about coal all the time, climate, control, climate change, and all this sort of thing, which I'm going to dwell on for a moment. Uh, but they don't get into his wealth. The media has given the man a pass on the source of his wealth. Now, he reaps big financial reports from coal companies. He owns two, by the way with grim records of pollution, safety violations, and death. His most famous utterance recently is that climate control pollution would be worsened by the elimination of fossil fuels. Do you hear what I said? I'm laughing. I can't believe it. Uh, All right. Climate control pollution, you heard me, would be worsened by the elimination of fossil fuels. A statement blatantly false, yet he states it unashamedly. He defends coal-fired plants, coal-fired plants, over, and I quote, aggressive Biden climate goals. You know, Biden's goal is to get rid of uh, fossil fuels by 2030, nine years from now. Uh, I can understand where Manchin might want to go crazy because that's the primary uh, employer of coal mines in West Virginia. Uh, His people are making less and less money because uh, manufacturing in America has slowly but surely over the years gotten away from coal. They see the handwriting on the wall. They don't need it as a power source. We're getting out of it. But he defends it like he's taking care of his people. But the real reason is not that, that because uh, he reaps big financial uh, rewards, as I've already indicated. Uh, He is against Biden's climate goals. Money's the basis of his beliefs. He is heavily invested in the coal industry. He became involved in the 1980s. His son has assumed leadership of the companies. Manchin claims his coal industry involvement has no impact on his political decision-making. His investments are in a blind trust. Well, I don't think that blind trust in this instance is much protection for the American people. You can't tell me father and son do not discuss company matters at Sunday dinner, at the very least, because that's the way things are. Since Manchin became a senator more than 10 years ago, he has personally grossed more than $4.5 million from family firms involved. The information that I just shared with you how much? $4.5 million. He's got more besides him to get into. Uh, has been gathered from financial disclosures, which Manchin is required to file as a senator. This isn't made up uh, BS. There are two companies involved uh, that he is involved in. The major one is Enersystems, Inc., the other Farmington Resources. Manchin owns Enersystems alone. That's the big one. Uh, Manchin owns options in Enter Systems, a loan valued at $1 million to $5 million, again based on information found in financial disclosure forms. Enter System, per- here's what they do. This is terrible what Enter System does. Enter System purchases low-quality waste coal, garbage coal, from mines and resells it to power plants in West Virginia. 
The process from the beginning to end severely impacts the health of workers. His companies buy low-quality waste coal from mines and resell it to power plants. Now, I have a question here. How has the Manchin family's involvement in the coal business, and I raised this a little earlier, almost entirely avoided public scrutiny? Even now, when he is in the middle of a battle over the $3.5 trillion infrastructure package, which contains money to help in correcting global warming. I don't know why the media doesn't talk about it. Biden has said the infrastructure monies would go to eliminating fossil fuels by 2030. Manchin obviously opposes the elimination. Examples. Manchin visited an Ohio Valley mine in mid-August. One went on a tour underground at one of the mines. Said during the visit, and I quote, the coal mining industry is going to be saved because the country cannot operate without it. Would you believe the coal mining industry is going to be saved because the country cannot operate without it? You know, I would respond, the country can do without the increased number of hurricanes, floods, and fires caused by global warming, uh, to which coal is one of the contributors, a major contributor. Manchin went on to say, and I quote, if you want to help clean up the climate, you're going to have to find the technology through innovation to basically be able to capture the carbon and use it. What he's saying in his effect, you can't leave the fellows working in the mines without a job. So figure out what we can do with the carbon that comes from coal and, and use it. Otherwise, how are they going to make a living? That's easy to solve. The problem is his financial investment in this stuff. That's my position. Okay? Now, in June, Manchin appeared before a conference sponsored by the Edison Electric Institution. Edison is a group that advises, studies the nation's coal-fired power plants. Manchin delivered, and it was described as a spirited, spirited defense of the nation's coal-fired plants, a good portion of energy systems business involves coal-fired power plants. So it goes. I think the country should be aware of his financial involvement in, in the coal industry uh, because, don't forget, it's part of the $3.5 trillion Biden infrastructure package, uh, money to go to uh, assist in controlling the climate and climate control. And one of the things we have to get rid of, and Biden says coal, carbon has to go. By 2030, he wants it to go. Has to go. And that means that they're going to have a problem in West Virginia work-wise, the people, but he's going to lose a source of income from the two plants he and his family own. Moving on, where are we going now? Ho, ho, ho. I'm going to talk about Donald Trump quickly. Uh, he said a couple of days ago, just before January, just before the, what was it, Saturday or Sunday this weekend, uh, they were having this rally. They expected 700 people, 200 or 400 showed up, uh, who were supporting the people who had been arrested because they were they attacked the Capitol on January 6th. Donald Trump said, and I quote, my heart is with those standing with 
the rioters. My heart is with those standing with the rioters. Insurrectionists, they wanted to throw over the government. A coup, and not a silent coup. And who was behind it? Donald Trump, you can't deny it. Uh, this was this was that rally, by the way, this past weekend was called Justice for the One Six. That means January Six rally. Uh, he, he also said, uh, and this was part of his. He did a show. He's got his own channel or website now because he's having trouble staying on the other websites that were kicking him off. But he also said on his website, he says uh, that January 6th, January 6th, was concerned primarily with, and I quote, the rigged election system, the rigged election system. This man does not give up. I'm moving into South Florida right now. Um, fraud, healthcare, major industry in this country. Guess what South Florida is, all right? It is referred to as the healthcare fraud capital of the world, all right? Uh, we have a great governor here, by the way, DeSantis. Uh, he doesn't do anything right, and he should be ashamed that he isn't looking at the fraudulent activities taking place in the healthcare industry, especially in southern Florida. Uh, the ripoffs are in the billions of dollars a year, and it's in three areas primarily. The new healthcare field of telemedicine, very big. Then it's followed by substance abuse and COVID-19 uh, programs. To make Clear, best way I can say it, I guess, South Florida alone, not even the entire state, accounts for 20% of health care frauds nationally. South Florida standing alone accounts for 20% of false health care frauds nationally. All right. Now, this bothers me very much, this next topic. The country has housing problems. The country has affordable housing problems. We have housing problems like you wouldn't believe in the state of Florida. We have them in Key West. Rents are atrocious, all right? Rents are absolutely out of sight, okay? I just found out why this past week. I was reading something. I said, I don't believe this, so I researched it. The law in Florida, Ray Rents, is totally on the side of the landlord, landlords, and not on the side of the tenants, okay? Uh, the rents in Florida are skyrocketing. Upward, keep going upward. Uh, we don't build down here anymore apartment houses, condominiums, because a private home brings more profit to a contractor. We got people coming down here and spending four, five, six, seven, eight billion dollars to buy a newly constructed house or to construct a new house. What contractor wants to screw around with apartments when he can make the better profit? So there is a housing boom here, but it's housing, not apartments, all right? Uh, some people think that South Florida, again, South Florida, uh, is the nation's worst place to rent. 
You see, there is there are no caps or limits on rent. Uh, whatever the landlord wants, he can charge. Now, there, let me give you an indication of how the rents have risen since the first of the year in some places. I don't have the numbers for Key West. I only have them for some major communities. Since the first of this year, Palm Beach rents have gone up 21%. Fort Lauderdale, 16.1%. And Miami's 11.6%. And there is a popular conclusion, and I'm going to quote this. Landlords will do whatever they want because they know the people need a place to live, all right? And the law does not prohibit them from doing what they want, rent-wise. The situation is getting worse. Uh, again, Florida laws protect the, the landlords uh, who have sole discretion, sole discretion, to raise rents as they see fit. Now, Local governments, by state law, are prohibited from setting any price controls. I, I repeat, there are no price controls. There are no caps, no limits. The landlord does what he or she wants to do, All right. unless there is an exception. Wait to hear this exception. Unless there is a housing emergency so grave as to constitute a serious menace to the general public. So you need a crisis. Okay, so you get the crisis. But in order to, first you've got to have the facts. Then you have to have a general election, okay, uh, to have an ordinance passed. The city can't just pass it. There has to be a general election, not a city council, an election, okay, to get this ordinance passed so that there can be rent controls. And then that election by the General population has to take place every year. They must have a new election every year by the populace to determine if they want to continue with the rent control legislation that, that had been previously passed. What a burden, okay? What a burden. Let me talk to you about bicycles. Uh, bicycles. Key West has... <laughs> I'm not laughing. This is sad, what I'm going to share. Key West has too many distinctions that are adverse and unhealthy. Uh, an article came out last year or the year before. The Key West, Key West uh, had the largest number of bicycle deaths and injuries in the United States. Would you believe that? The highest number of bicycle accidents in the in the United States. And I can understand, if you haven't been here, our streets are narrows. Everybody comes down here to ride a bike. I don't know why. We've got too many cars. We've got too many bicycles. we got motor scooters. And we got these, like, uh, golf carts going around with families riding on them. There's no room. You, you don't even have room to cross the street. That, I'm exaggerating, but that's how bad it is, okay? Well, a company by the name of Commute Air Pro 18, Commute Air Pro 18 has come up and has invented and patented a backpack, a backpack that deploys airbags to protect bicycle riders in an accident. Backpack that deploys airbags to protect 
bicycle riders in an accident. There are electronic sensors uh, that detect the fall from the bike. They inflate football and they into football-style shoulder pads uh, to provide upper torso protection before the wear person wearing them makes impact. Uh, okay, and in other words, it tells you the bicycle's going down. This thing goes off. And it's supposedly 80% effective. Well, I think we should get some here. We need them desperately. Uh, okay, now the Taliban. Let me say this about the Taliban. It's the one time I'm leaving the country tonight. Uh, who knows if we can trust them. But they say they're going to let the women go to college. But they, they'll go in the same building as the males. But they must be in their own classrooms. You must separate the classrooms, and they must wear uh, Muslim clothing. Well, I think that's all right. They let them go that way. Uh, understand that in this country, there was a time we didn't let women go to college, believe it or not. And then in the uh, mid to late 1800s, uh, women's colleges opened. Some of the biggies, like Vassar, Wellesley, Smith, Bryn Mawr, Radcliffe, and Barnard. But they were all for women. Uh, and it was only until around 1950 that we started blending boys and girls together in college. Uh, interesting, isn't it? I never knew why the college I went to was all boys. And there were several girls' colleges around that were all girls. Uh, since these were Catholic schools, I thought it was a religious thing. It wasn't. This is the way things were. Uh, and uh, it's what's interesting, too. When I went to law school in 1957 and 1960, we had two females in my class. Today, law schools graduate more women than men. Today, any university, we are graduating in any area more women than men. They're getting bachelor's and master's degrees. Today, in the recent 10 years, we are now graduating more female doctors than male doctors. And I'm just assuming that's the way it's going to go uh, over in Afghanistan if the Taliban doesn't, if the Taliban does what they're going to save. But who knows? Now, I'm getting into coronavirus. I've only got four minutes left. I, I don't have much time to hit all this stuff. But let me say this. Pretty soon you may be able to get your vaccine, not by a shot, but it will be in the vegetables you will eat. A 500,000 grant has been given to the University of California, Reese, uh, Riverside. They are doing research, okay, the grants from the National Science Foundation, okay, to take edible plants that carry the same, certain plants carry naturally the same medication as an mRNA vaccine, which is the coronavirus vaccine, okay? And right now they're testing spinach and lettuce, and if this is successful, people can't say, I don't want the shot. You'll get it in the food you're going to buy in the supermarket. Let me talk briefly about Idaho. Idaho has a problem. Uh, too many people sick. The coronavirus taking up the ICU rooms. So here's what uh, Idaho has decided. They are now They've come up with a new standard of care, which means who are we going to let in? And they have decided that only the most sick, because you must understand, 
it isn't just coronavirus people that end up in the ICU vets. You got a heart attack, you've got to be in ICU. You've got cancer surgery, you've got to be in ICU. You need that staff, the machinery to take care of you. They don't have enough room. So they're going to do a triage, triage. And before you are admitted, there's going to be someone who's going to say yes or no. Yes, you're sick enough to go in and we've got a bed. Or no, you're not sick enough, go home. We'll, we'll try to medicate you there. Isn't that well? But that's how things are going. Let me tell you a, ma- a problem Massachusetts has. They have activated the National Guard. I'm laughing. They've activated the National Guard to do what? To drive the school buses. Because the people who are driving the school buses don't want to obey the mandate that's been established there that they have to be vaccinated. So most of them have quit, and the National Guard has been activated to drive the school buses. Uh, that's it for tonight. I did, my time has run out. I spent too much time on Joe Manchin, but it's worthy of spending time on that. So, my friends, that's it for tonight. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you again next week. Till then, good night.